Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. In this series about Acts, we talked last week uh, and it was adoration. And then today we're going to be talking about confession. The uh, T is thanksgiving, the S is supplication, but this is really what we're focusing on today. We're focusing on confession, and uh, confession is one of those things that a lot of times people will get in their mind, uh, confession means one thing, and this is what confession means. It means an admission of a transgression, like, you know, uh, you broke the speed limit, you, you admitted, you know, yes, officer, I was speeding. That's a, that is a confession, but it's also an affirmation, and we find that in uh, Romans 10 and 9, and uh, this is where it says, if you openly declare, and in some versions it says confess, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So that word uh, confess there means declaration. It's an affirmation or a declaration. If you confess with your mouth, if you affirm with your mouth, if you believe, that's a belief that I have and I'm letting other people know it. And so this is what the Greek word is. I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the call to worship. Homologeo, uh, the Greek is, it's, to say the same thing as another person says. So if uh, Pastor Wesley's making uh, a statement and I want to confess that statement, in other words, we're going to partner with that. I confess the same thing he's confessing. Uh, the other uh, couple of definitions are uh, it's an admission of guilt, like I did it, I'm owning it, or it can also mean celebration. So you see how like those definitions are kind of all over the place. An admission of guilt. It's to say, partner with somebody. Like I'm making a declaration. We're making a declaration together. And it's also a praise. Every one of those songs that we sang earlier this morning was a confession of our faith. You know, in the name of Jesus, giants are defeated. Like it's a confession of our faith. We believe. We're saying we believe in every single one of those. And here's the main, the main idea I want to leave with y'all today. So admission. So if we're looking at uh, confession, it's really those two things. It's admission and this, it's affirmation. So admission restores my integrity and affirmation restores my identity. All right? Just want to... Because a lot of times I've been looking at this for, for weeks and, you know, over the last several hours just engaged in my message. And so I want to break it down because it's super, uh, you know, embedded in my head. You're seeing it for the first time. But an admission, yes, I was wrong. Yes, I did that. It restores my integrity. What I did one time, I was uh, in the garage one time, I said this story uh, to some of our volunteers. We were giving examples this morning, and I gave them this example. You may have heard this before. Um, I'm in my garage one day. Noah's outside. He's working uh, with me. Well, actually, I'm working, and he's doing whatever Noah did, you know, and he's in there with me, and man, I dropped something and, it, you know, hit my foot, and 
I just, I just four letters, you know, just came out of my mouth. And I just said this little cuss word, you know. And um, I'm, I'm not a potty mouth. I don't typically, you know, let, let that stuff fly or anything like that. Now, uh, Pastor Wesley, you were making a confession recently in one of your messages that you were a potty mouth when you were younger, right? So was I. My whole family was. Dude, my mom could outcuss a sailor. And I'm, I'm serious. And it, they just thought it was cute when the kids uh, were, you know, using four-letter words. Well, anyway, so I don't have a lot of uh, things, but every now and then something like that will, will, will slip up on me. And uh, this long time ago, I think Noah's about eight years old, and I said that, and he said, Daddy, I've never heard you cuss before. And he was shocked, man. And that's like, oh, man, like, I've been around people that their dad is on the deathbed. He's going to see Jesus in a few hours. And I've heard sons say, I've never heard my dad say a cuss word. I thought that was going to be me as a parent, you know. <laughs> I blew that one out of the water. This is what I said to him. I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, we don't talk like that, okay? Like, that dad just slipped and blah, blah, blah. What I was doing is I was owning it. And what I was also doing, I was trying to restore my integrity with my son. I didn't just breeze over it or pretend I didn't say it or whatever. When you admit things, it restores your integrity with God. It restores your integrity with people. Um, when you affirm things like from the word of God, you got to know the word, man. Because if you don't know the word, you don't know what to affirm. I hear people affirming things all the time that are not, uh, that are not true. Like, you know, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. Well, how do you mean that? I was with someone recently and they said, man, I just, I, I'm, I'm feeling like such a failure. And I said, well, let's look at the evidence real quick. I said, because you've done this for the kingdom and you've done that for the kingdom and you've done that for the kingdom. So if you don't affirm, in other words, confess, then what you're going to do, you're going to begin to believe that lie that I'm a failure. Like, no, you're not. This right here may not be going well for you, but you're not a failure. And when you affirm, remember, affirm, one of the meanings of homologeo was to line up what I say with what somebody else has said. So in here, God has said all kinds of things about you and me. And so we affirm, we confess the word over our lives so that this lines us back up with who we really are. So let's look in Psalm 32 real quick, and we're going to go down to about uh, seven verses. All right, Psalm uh, 32 is, I, I don't remember the other psalm, but it's the one where David wrote about his sin with Bathsheba. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, you understand that David was the king of Israel. He had uh, Bathsheba's husband sent to the front of the line to get him killed so that he could 
could be with that man's wife. So man, he's committing lust, he's committing murder, uh, he's committing adultery. There's lots of stuff going on. And so in another psalm, I can't remember where it's at, but in another psalm, he uh, 51, okay, excellent. In Psalm 51, he, uh, Abel is really familiar with that, uh, <laughs> that psalm, brother. Uh, that was a joke, guys, come on. Um, so he commits this sin, and he, he's basically asking the Lord, or, or he's telling the Lord, like, I'm going to repent for that. Psalm 32 is him actually doing it. And so here's where we start, all right? Verse 1, David is talking to God, and he's confessing. He says, oh, what joy wait for those uh, oh, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record, uh, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Let's read that again because I jumbled it up a little bit. Think about what he's saying, man. He's, he, this is a person that is guilt-free. Psalm 51, he's already, he, he's, he's already come clean before the Lord. Now he's enjoying the fruit of his confession. And he says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wastes away. And I groan all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, here it is. I confessed all my sins to you. That's in Psalm 51. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself. Now he's having a conversation with himself, all right? He's trying to get in the right frame of mind. He says, I, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. And he says, all my guilt is gone. So here, David, what he's doing, he's confessing to the Lord. But his confession here is an admission. It's admitting to his sin. It's admitting to his error. So how do I take responsibility? What he's doing right here, he's taking responsibility. I was also sharing with my group this morning when we were talking this through. I said, when I was younger, I had a hard time taking responsibility for the things that I did wrong. And here's the reason why. Because of trauma that I went through as a kid... I was told I was never good enough. I, I never was made to feel valued. And so I felt like anything that took away from my value diminished me even more. And so what I would do is when I would make mistakes, because come on, man, nobody in this room is perfect. Not one. Not one. And we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fail and we're going we're gonna to make mistakes again. We're going to fail again. And I've always said this about failure. Hey, man, if you fail... Listen to me, if you fail, put that failure to good use and don't make that failure again. When you just commit 
the same failure over and over and over, those are no longer mistakes. Those are habits. That's a decision. So, you know, how do I take responsibility? Finally, the Lord delivered me of that um, insecurity that I had. And that I can go much deeper in that. I won't do that this morning. But I had an orphan spirit. I felt like I was all alone. I had a poverty spirit. I felt like I didn't uh, possess worth and value. So those spirits bombarded me and plagued me all the time. And so I was constantly feeling like I had to validate myself with people, with my parents, with people in the church, with, with my professors, with you know my wife, my kids. And, and one day... I came across this teaching, and it was from Leif Hetland on the orphan spirit. And as he's preaching and teaching on this, I realized that spirit attached itself to me. And the Holy Spirit in that moment revealed to me when I was a child the day that it happened. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that day in you know probably 20 years. And all of a sudden, the Lord revealed to me the day that that orphan spirit got on me. And I began to believe these lies like, yeah, I'll never be good enough. Like, I'm not good enough. I, I wonder, do these people really know I don't know what I'm doing? I got to put up this show. I got to put up this front. I've got to, you know, reach this standard. I have, to, I, I have so much pressure on me. There's a pressure to perform on me. And man, when the Lord revealed some of those spirits that I had allowed to attach uh, to me during my childhood... I was free, man, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. I was free from those spirits, and all of a sudden, it was okay for me to admit that I have shortcomings because His grace is sufficient for me. Where I fail, He makes up the difference. Where I'm incomplete, He completes me. So how do I take responsibility? It's real, real quick about four things I want to share with you. Number one, own it. If you did it, own it. Don't deny it. Like, don't blame others. Don't put the blame on other people like Adam did. You know, God gave him control of the garden. And what does he do? He lets Eve do things that really, you know, she shouldn't be doing. And many times as men, I'm not going to beat up on men today. But I am going to call it like I see it. Many times we as men let women do the spiritual things. Where was Adam? Why wasn't Adam talking uh, to the serpent? I mean, just think, man, we could have been living in an unfallen state right now. Maybe if Adam had not fallen, if Adam had not transgressed. But in the garden, when God comes down and he's like, uh, hey, where are you guys? I'm here for our daily hangout session. And he's like, where are y'all? He knew where they were. He's trying to get them to come into a place of admission. And so Adam, he doesn't really admit. He makes a confession. Hey, we're naked. Who told you you were naked? Like, how do you even know what that word means? Well, that woman you put in the garden with me. You know, what's he doing? He's blaming her. Like, he's not owning it. Dude, he's, I, sometimes I don't know about you, but I just read the Bible and I think, what if he admitted it? What if he admitted it? Like, what if he just owned it? 
what, what, what would we, we be reading? How the story would, would go differently? Don't make excuses. He made an excuse. He blamed her, made an excuse. And then the last thing is apologize. And this is not an apology. When somebody's going through something with you, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not an apology. You understand that, right? That's not an apology. Like, when you apologize... You, I regret that I made you feel that way. You own it. You own whatever action, knowingly or unknowingly, intended or unintended, you just own it. And it's like, there are times, man, people have been offended and hurt with me, and I really did not think I was in the wrong. I really did not think that I was in the wrong. That's not the point. The point is... I'm never going to walk away from a situation with anybody where I do not take responsibility for whatever I may or may not have done. I might not have intended to do it. I might not have even known I did it. I might not even agree that I did it. But I'm going to apologize because that's the bigger thing to do. And what it does, it restores my integrity. Remember, admission restores my integrity. It restores my integrity with that person if they'll receive it. But most importantly, it restores my integrity with God. At the end of the day, that person can receive it or not receive it. But I'm telling you what, I'm in lifelong, eternal relationship with the Father. And what he thinks about me really does matter. And so these are the things. If you want to take responsibility, just own it. Yes, I did. I'm so sorry that I did that. I did say that and I misspoke. I did say that and I was just confused. Whatever it was, you know, just own it. Don't blame others, don't make excuses, and apologize. Then the next one is affirming, all right? So confession is admitting things, but it's also affirming things. It affirm what I believe and what I will do differently. Because here's the deal. Don't just apologize. Like, yes, sir, I'm sorry I'm late for work for the 18th time. No, you know, what are you going to do to correct that? Because... You only have so many more times before we're letting you go. Uh, yeah, I know that I've, you know, belittled you over and over again. You know, I, I, I recognize that. I admit that. No, stop doing that. Correct that behavior. So whatever it is, when you affirm something, when you confess, you're saying, yes, I did that, and I'm going to do better. Yes, I did that, and I'm sorry I won't say that again to you, or I won't talk to you that way again. Um, Look at Proverbs 18 and 21. Everybody knows this. The Lord says that life and death is in the power of my tongue. Life and death is in the power of my tongue. I can't tell you how many times, man, when I'm, when I'm studying something that God begins to highlight stuff on social media. I cannot tell you how many social media uh, sites uh, or posts that I've seen this week about the power of positive confession. Like, when we confess truth over us, it has a regenerative effect on our bodies. It has, it, it uh, creates new pathways in our minds. That's scientific. It's way beyond my pay grade, but I've read articles that it's like when you begin to say things, 
that it automatically begins to correct your brain and it creates new pathways within your brain so that the truth can start flowing because you've already believed these lies. And when somebody says something to you, this is how it's provable. When somebody says something to you and you have either low self-esteem, insecurities, or different things, regardless of where they came from, and then they say, oh, well, that's a pretty blouse that you have on, Melissa. I compliment her on her clothes often because she has good taste. But that's a really pretty blouse. Oh, this old thing, I got this from the thrift store. Well, it could be bought on Rodeo Drive for all I know. I just was saying it was pretty. But what happens is when we have believed a lie that we're not worthy of nice things or that we're not worthy of compliments, when somebody says something, it goes down an old path. And so it, it takes you down that path to a lie. Well, you're not worthy of that. So just tell them you bought it at the thrift store. Instead of when you make positive confessions, like I'm, I can have nice things. It's okay for me to live in a nice house, to drive a nice car, to have decent clothes, even though, you know, she's my sweet potato. And her says, I am. <laughs> I'm like, uh, so I'm like, you know, what, it, it is what it is, folks, today. So when you confess the truth, all of a sudden, when somebody gives you a compliment, you now believe, I am worthy of this, and I can receive this compliment. Talking to a pastor the other day, and uh, man, I tell you, dude, we need to pray for pastors during this season. In the past month, Shay and I have met with pastors who are ready to give up in ministry. I've met with four other pastors besides that one that they are at some of the lowest points all of these are in Baldwin County and Mobile, all right? I'm, I'm just digressing for just a second. I'm one person, one person. That's five people that I know, and I'll guarantee you some more of my buddies in ministry, but that's five people that I know. Now, when you multiply that across the nation and you begin to see how discouraged, how in warfare uh, spiritual leaders are. It's unlike any time, at least in our, I'm not saying in history, but in our time, this is the worst I've ever seen it in my 55 years of life. And as I'm talking to this person, one in particular out of those five, he said to me, I, I'm just not a good leader. And I said, that's not true. That's not true. So let's look at the evidence. Now, I know a lot of you guys know what Sozo ministry is. It's sort of a deliverance, but it's really an inner healing ministry. We used to do that at, at, at our church. But here's what Sozo, Jesus Christ came to Sozo, the lost, save the lost, the Greek word Sozo. And basically in Sozo, what you, what you begin to do, it, Sozo is that Greek word that says that Jesus came to save. And that word has three different meanings. You can use it synonymously. To save eternally, like you're not going to hell. Yay, we're going to heaven. All right, salvation. Healing, like he came to heal. Heal our bodies, heal our bodies, heal our bodies. And um, to deliver us. 
So deliver us from addictions and things like that. And so when we're doing so-so ministry, one of the key things we do is you identify the lie that you're believing. So what is the lie that I'm believing? So I said, let's just so-so this real quick. And I said, so what's the lie you're believing? I already know what it is, but I need to hear you confess it out of your mouth. And he said that I'm not a good leader. All right. I said, so let's identify evidence. And so we started laying out evidence of victories and accomplishments and everything in ministry. And I said, now, does that sound like a failure to you? No. So we've identified that as a lie. And so uh, I should have had my text pulled up because I'd love to read it to you because the Holy Spirit gave it to me. But a powerful confession that I sent him in a text. And I'm like, I want you to say this out loud to yourself looking in a mirror. And it was I think something like this. I am a powerful leader. Uh, we, there, there was a powerful one in one of those songs. It doesn't come, all of the words come to mind. But I am saved, I am healed, I am, you know, highly favored, anointed, you know, all these things. And so his was, I am anointed by God, called for this season and this time in history. He has appointed me to this region as an apostolic figure to expand the kingdom of God. I am an incredible leader because God equips those who he calls to the mission field. So, I mean, it was just that kind of stuff that I was getting him to confess because you admit the lie, but you have to now correct it. And if you don't correct that behavior, you're going to go right back and, if you will, backslide into that same behavior again. So this is, say this with me, all right? Admission restores my integrity and affirmation restores my identity. Listen, the, the world is going to tell you lies about yourself all the time. Um, culture is going to tell you lies about yourself all the time. Your past, which really doesn't exist. It, your, your past doesn't exist. All of that is under the blood. Every transgression, every mistake, all of that doesn't exist. So when that comes back to you, it's not coming from your creator. It's actually demonic. And the enemy's trying to bring this back to you so that you'll begin to believe those lies. And what you have to do is you have to confess the truth of who you really are. That's why knowing the word and what the word says about me restores my identity. So it takes it away from the lie and it restores it with the word of God. All right, so this is how we're going to apply this message and we're about to eat, okay? So this is how I want you to activate this. I don't know if you did this last week. Well, I, that's number two. So in another message, I coined this phrase, all right? So how do you apply this, Pastor Rife, what you're teaching me about confessions? Just some daily Psalm 139 yourself. And so Psalm 139 says this, Search me, O God, and know 
my heart, my anxious heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What this really is, um, Oprah Winfrey Oprah Winfrey would call this uh, self-reflection, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But this really is. It's like you're reflecting, but it's not self-reflection. Because can I be honest with you? Yourself will lie to you. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Like, Self-reflection, I'm not saying it's a terrible thing, but you got to be careful because yourself will lie to you. When you reflect with God, when you God reflect, you invite Holy Spirit into this and you say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Because I might be, have a little pride there that I don't even know that I've got pride there. And it won't let me, that pride will not let me admit to this particular thing. I'm telling you what, if you ask God, God never does this. God, would you, would you search my heart? And God's going through all your heart data bank and he's going. It's like, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, I ain't going to be able to share that with them because I'll hurt their peelings. I'll hurt their little peelings. That's not God. I'm telling you what, if you ask God the truth, he will tell you the truth. You know why? Because he is truth. And he also is, uh, is a God of his word. And he says in the book of John that Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He won't skirt around issues. He won't. Holy Spirit, search my heart. And this is the issue. And God does not do this. Oh, let's pretend that's not there. Let me shield him from that. No, man. He speaks the truth in love, and he will point the situation out. I'm telling you what, man. If you really want to live a life of integrity, Psalm 139 yourself every day. So you understand, everyday acts, everyday confession. There's, a day, there's not a day that goes by that I am not asking the Lord, God, search my heart. Show me if there's something that I missed. Show me if there's something that I've forgotten. Show me something uh, that maybe I buried it down. And I'm telling you what, man, God will bring things to me. I, I just did this yesterday, okay? I just did this yesterday. I haven't done it today, to my knowledge, but we're fixing to do it together in a minute. And yesterday when I was, Lord, show me if there's anything... And a lot of times we think of confession, we think of confession as in, uh, yeah, I smoked that cigarette out behind the church and I hope nobody finds out that I smoke as the pastor, which I don't. I'm just using that as a funny example, okay? Um, man, I hope nobody knows I watched that Netflix series and, you know, it, it, it had something that I don't, it, I'm not talking about that stuff. We typically think of confession in, in, in terms of sin. And there, that is it, and we do need to confess those things. But what will happen is we'll overlook things that are very important. Listen, God's already forgiven my sin. 
You know what I'm saying? I need to confess those and move on because I'm forgiven with that stuff. But what will happen is I will do things and it will be so subtle that I'll allow that to begin to build up in my life. And it will begin to put boundaries and blockages and dam up things in my relationship with God and with others. And when I did this yesterday, the Holy Spirit said, do you remember? Because, dude, he is specific. And he said, do you remember when you, were, uh, you, you accidentally or inadvertently got off uh, the bayway onto the causeway and you were waiting there at traffic to clear and you were whining and comparing yourself to other pastors? And I said to you, hey, stop doing that. Stop doing that to yourself. I mean, literally right there. On the causeway. Holy Spirit arrested me right there. And so Holy Spirit. Yesterday when I was Psalm 139ing myself. He said to me. Hey you do that more often. Like you do that. You, I called you out on it that day. But you do that more often. Than you need to. You shouldn't be doing it at all. And so a lot of times. We don't think about stuff like that. That we need to confess. Like. Maybe you self-deprecate a lot. If you don't know what that means, it just means you put yourself down a lot. There, there was a time in my life that I did that, and I would put myself down and put myself down and put myself down. All of that was coming out of trauma. And there's a, that's not, what am I doing when I belittle myself? I am trashing God's creation that he says is fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, God, it's really a load of crap. No, it's fearfully and wonderfully made. No, it's trashy. No, it's fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, I wouldn't have me. I don't even know why Shay married me. You know, blah, blah, blah. All, all of these thoughts. And so we have to confess things like that. And God will point those things out in you because it will help you be a stronger believer. All right? This is the second thing. I don't know if you did this, and I don't even know if we have any of those little post-its left from last week. But I gave everyone post-its, and I asked you, hey, just take a week, uh, a day every week last week, and write one thing that you adore about God. Adoration, you praise about God. All right? So I've done all of those. I've still got to do day number seven, but I've done all of those. And so what I want you to do is I just want you to take that list. If you didn't do it, just start it this week, all right? If you don't have a little post-it, get your own post-it. It might not be as pretty as that, but get your own post-it. Make your own list. And so if you have that list, then now just start over and make everything that you adored about God, make that a confession, okay? One of mine... I'll give you an example of how to do number two. One of mine was, you are my strength. And I adored him because he's my strength. And this is how I confess, all right? This is how I would be confessing in my own private time. I would be saying it like this. God, you're my strength. When I wanted to commit suicide, you were there and you stopped me. When I planned it, you showed up and it was the first time I ever heard you speak to me. You're my strength, God. 
that when I'm weak, you're strong. When I was looking for a way out, you provided an alternate way. You provided a way of escape. Just like Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and you provided a lamb, God. You see what I'm doing? I'm making a confession that you also did that same thing for me. That when I was a child, 16, and I had made my mind up to take my life because my world was so bad, you're my strength. You showed up. You're my strength. You gave me a way out. You're my strength. You showed me how I was going to use that story, and right here today is part of me using that story. You're my strength. When I am not strong enough, when I am so weak, I'm depressed, I just want to just walk away from everything. You're my strength. Whenever I have all of these pastors coming to me and saying, man, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm I'm now looking for my next thing. I'm like, no, you're not because you're called of God. You're chosen. You're anointed. You're going through a rough patch. He's our strength. His grace is sufficient for us. Do you see what I'm doing? That's, That's what it looks like. And so I just took my adoration and now I make it my confession. He's my strength. Man, the scripture says... You're strong, so I'm strong. You have overcome the world, so I can take joy because I have overcome the world. Amen? So that's how you do that second part. So right now, let's jump back to number one and let's Psalm 139 ourselves. This is how we're going to do it. So God, I want you to look at me and I want you to see all the deep parts of my who I am stuff that I don't even know that's there God if there's anything there God I want to be in right standing with you and I also want to be in right standing with every other person on this planet as far as possible that I have something to do with it show me God if there's anything in me that I need to correct let him just show you Take us a second. Show me, God. So, I just want you to raise your hand if you feel, I'm not going to ask you to share, but just raise your hand if you feel like the Lord showed you something. Just raise it up and keep it up. So if you're not raising your hand, I want you to continue to do that, okay? I I just want you to leave today. Let this become a daily, everyday act. So if God spoke to you something that it's like, hey, this is an area of your world that I want you to fix. Now I want you to confess it, all right? You don't have to do it out loud. But when you confess, remember, confession is two things. Confession is admission and affirmation. Admission is just, hey man, I'm wrong. I'm owning it. But affirmation is me correcting it. So whatever it is that God has revealed to you by the power of his Holy Spirit, right now, just begin to say, I don't believe that. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not part of who I am. I renounce whatever that 
belief is I will not do that particular thing anymore God and I'm going to make an effort Holy Spirit to repent repent means to turn around and begin moving in a new direction I'm going to repent God I'm not going to continue down that train of thought down that course of action anymore and this is what I'm going to do to correct it that's how you Psalm 139 yourself okay all right so um, I'm gonna let you be seated right there where you are we got a few other things to do in just a second Stephanie I want you to come are you still prepared uh, to, to do that brief testimony um, so here's what I want you to do when you Psalm 139 yourself ask God to search your heart you you admit to that but now I'm fixing to I'm fixing to make these affirmations God I'm not going to do that anymore I'm going to find out the truth to whatever it is that he just showed you and this is what I'm going to do now you have a responsibility you have a responsibility to do the word so this is what I do a lot of times with me because I know myself listen to me I know myself I know how spiritually lazy I can get. I know how spiritually procrastinating I can. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to do it and kick it down the road, kick it down the road. No, when God does something like this, put into action, and this is what I will do many times. I'll get with people that are very close to me spiritually, and I will say, hey, man, this is something that the Lord showed me about me, and I'm being accountable because I know my flesh is not going to want to follow through with this. So I'm asking you, would you help me to be accountable with this part of my life? And so these are people that I'm in communication and uh, conversations all the time. They're people that I pray with and, and that kind of thing. And if you don't have those kind of people in your life, man, please get those people in your life. Amen. So that's how you do it. Be accountable. Uh, Stephanie, uh, Shay's got that microphone. Stephanie is going to give you a real-life example of confession, all right? As she confesses, this is what I want you to, uh, to not get hung up on. Don't get hung up on the subject matter. Focus on the act of what she's doing and how it relates to confession, okay? All right? So take it away. Okay, so... Um, Hold it up to your mouth. Steph. Yes, sir. Uh, the prayer that is up on the board right now um, is exactly what's happening right now in this season for me. Um, back in August, uh, God said, Stephanie, I want to take you deeper with me in relationship, and I want to take you into uncharted waters. And I didn't know what that looked like, and he was wanting me to be obedient. It was right before school started and um, I had a lot of fear because our three-year-old was left outside of his uh, his preschool and so um, unattended and so that was fear that had been there for like a year right of just like keeping him close by not wanting my kids to be you know exposed to things and stuff like that so I would constantly like keep them with me and everything like that and and so it made me make a decision out of fear to keep them home with me, like to teach them at home. 
And one night I was laying in bed and I was just praying and I was just holding my husband. And I was like, I thought we were about to start talking, but then God started talking to me and then he ended up going to sleep. And I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? And God said, um, I, I'm trying to build something with you and Hunter. And I was like, well, what are you trying to build here? And he said that you haven't given me your yes. And I'm going through all the things and I'm thinking like, what did I not give you my yes for? And I remember Pastor Rife in, uh, was speaking several weeks ago about giving you, giving God your yes. And I was like, yeah, I did that. You know, I said the prayer, I did that. Well, he started telling me that you're doing a great job. He started to affir affirming me. So this is Jesus speaking to me like my friend. He started saying, you're doing a great job. I'm proud of you, what you're doing, but it's not your all. You could be giving me your all. And so um, he started showing me to, he, he told me, I said, what do you, what do you want me to do with that? Like, how, how can I be in alignment with giving you my all? And he said, to put the kids into school. Okay, that's a big deal because it's like three months in, all right? Like, I'm, I'm kind of settled, <laughs> you know? And, um, but Hunter was not agreeing with that decision at all. Like, I was not in alignment with my husband. And I had to, uh, I had to affirm, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to do all the things that we just learned right here. I had to admit that I was wrong. I hurt my husband who initially hurt my whole family, even though I was doing well and he was proud of me. The bottom line is I hurt him, you know? And so I had to admit that I was wrong and I had to confess my sin to God. You know, I had to confess that out of disobedience, straight up disobedience. And I had to fully give him my yes. So then the next day, it's like I'm worshiping and I'm praying in the morning and everything. And I was just on my knees and I'm worshiping and I'm just praying about all the things, you know. And then I said, I said, God, what inside my house offends you? And then so he gave me some things that are offending him out, out the door. They went and I said, OK, well, that worked. So, God, what are what are some things inside of me that are offending you? And he said, you haven't given me your yes. And I'm like, I thought we settled this yesterday. But like he needed to tell me again. And I was like, how do I come into alignment with the yes? And he said, send the kids to school. Like he loves me that much. He just wants to spend time with me. He wants to grow something. He wants to build something in Hunter and I. And all I have to do is just give him my yes, but it has to be a willing heart. I have to, I have to take a step and I have to open up my faith gate and drop the keys to fear, Come like on. lock that stuff up and throw it in the pits of hell where it belongs, right? So like, I can't allow fear to determine what, my, uh, what I'm gonna do with, for my family. I can't make the decisions for, for my family. It has to be in alignment with my husband and with what God wants. And so yeah, it doesn't have anything to do whether you're homeschool or not. Like that doesn't right. matter right. your choices or whatever. God probably wants you to do whatever he wants you to do, just do it. 
The bottom line is that you do have to admit when you're wrong, which I did. And I was like, man, I did not know that I was hurting you. And I'm sorry. And um, not only that, I was hurting God because I didn't give him my yes. So, yeah, I would encourage you that if, if, you're oper- if you've done things in the past that have operated in the spirit of fear, like let that stuff go. Like close that gate and open up the gate of faith. Thank you. So see how powerful that is? See, see how powerful that is? So, so basically, that doesn't look like any kind of heinous sin or anything like that. But what, what it was, it was operating in fear. Like, well, your kids are never going to be safe. You're, you know, so you're operating in that. So what it does is it snowballs. It calls you to be out of alignment with maybe Hunter. And then it's like, maybe God wants you to do some other things that you couldn't do those if, you, if, if, if you're trying to be teacher, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So again, you know, she makes, this, she makes this declaration. She makes this admission and she makes this confession. And uh, so that's what it looks like.